All right. Greetings, greetings, and welcome to Live Courageously, the podcast show number 17 of 2023. I'm your host, John Duffy, and this is the 33rd live Live Courageously podcast show since I started the show a year ago. Live Courageously has been my conscious theme of my life um, for the last three years since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, and it's been an unconscious theme for most of my life. If you haven't seen the previous uh, 32 podcasts with some of my amazing, courageous friends sharing their powerful stories, overcoming all odds, going on to live powerful lives and making a difference in the world. You can watch them on my John Duffy Live Courageously YouTube channel. And I have another 75 plus friends planned to be guests on my future shows. So please subscribe to uh, my Live Courageously YouTube channel at Duff SQ Film and keep coming back every Sunday at 2 p.m. So why do I say Live Courageously? Because fear is a reaction, but courage is a choice. And I suggest you consciously choose courage and you choose faith over fear every time you experience fear in your life. Choosing courage will help you deal with whatever life may throw at you in the future. And trust me, it'll throw stuff at us that we don't like or want. So today, my friend and, and, and guest is Andre Andrews Jr. And Andre served in the U.S. Navy as a minesweeper on a minesweeper ship in Bahrain in the early 2000s, and as a direct result of deployment and living in restless fear of the enemy, he developed PTSD and anxiety that lived with him even after his service was complete. Safety and comfort is something that he has sacrificed, sacrificed and he has uh, cited sleeplessness, fatigue, depression, anxiety, and inability to focus, among other symptoms that have been de uh, de uh, de debilitating before he uh, founded his program. He was directed to one prescription medication after the next to cope with these illnesses, but his mental health still declined as, re as he readapted to the civilian world. He didn't feel there were many other accessible low-cost programs to help him and others reconnect with himself in society. And he, as he knows the financial instability that can follow leaving active duty, he has ensured that no veteran or first responder service member will ever be deterred by high costs typically associated with the rehab programs and the equestrian industry. Warriors Road is a program he created and is proudly no cost to all veterans, active duty, and first responders. Uh, Andre didn't have it easy growing up, facing a rough childhood and overcoming a few tough personal patches before he pursued the military. He was cycled through the U.S. Navy and emerged, uh, like we um, mentioned, with uh, crippling mental uh, issues, yet still he had the desire to serve others. And uh, it's a incredibly admirable that he devotes so much time to Warrior Road, Warriors Road, first to arrive and last to leave rain or shine in a hundred degree heat or pouring rain. I recognize, or well, he recognized as a black cowboy has moved on with grace in a predominantly white equestrian community to build relationships from the ground up. Despite opposition and shock and disrespect from others, he's never once been deterred from this and he's pushed on leading Warriors Road with grace and continuing to champion his mission above all else. He truly cares about his horses and creating a safe place for all visitors, regardless if they are civilian volunteers, first responders, community members, uh, service members or veterans and more. He wants everyone to feel at home. It's impressive that he continues to fund what he can despite being from humble background and cutting into his own pocket so Warriors Road can still stand today. He's a true meaning of service and selflessness and a pillar of strength. In a predominantly Caucasian industry of the equestrian industry, Warriors Road stands out as black owned and operated and the team is nearly 70% people of color, 50% women ages 20 to 60, all voices are respected on the table. And the clientele for Warriors Road includes all kinds of individuals, whether it be tech, film, entertainment, medical, or art, and the programs cater to all levels of comfort. The equine world can feel exclusive and cold at times, but Andre is doing away with traditional barriers so visitors feel welcome. Andre understands uh, community and is known for cookouts, gathering with different people, good meals, and riding. It's a lot of stuff there, brother, and welcome, 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 uh, my good brother, Andre, to Live Courageously. Thank you, brother. Thank you for having me. I'm not going to lie. That was a hell of an intro. I'm going to have to have you do all my intros at my future events because I don't think I could have said that better myself, man. Hey, well, you're very welcome. And, um, you know, usually I start the show out with two things. I'm going to, I'm kind of going to jump in front of that today because, you know, all those things that were in that intro about you making it a self, um, you know, a safe place and just a cool place. 
I've had the uh, experience last weekend. I'm going to put up a picture to go visit you there and with my daughter. And that's a picture of us and me on a horse. So, you know, uh, it, and you did that. And so in honor of you, I'm going to take off my baseball cap and I'm going to put on what I should have been wearing when I was riding with you, man. <laughs> so, and, you might have straightened up a little bit. Straighten it up a little bit, man. Yeah, um, anyway, I should have been wearing this, but you know, it's kind of funny when I was there, Andre. I asked you where you were from and when you started riding horses, and I thought maybe you did it when you were young. And you told me you grew up in Newark, New Jersey, and I grew up in the South Bronx. So, obviously, right now, two urban cowboys, man, you know, but um, yes, anyway, thank you. What's that? I would just say the military tortoise. The military tortoise, we just gotta make our own way, bro. That's it. Yeah, well, you you know, you when we showed up there, you you threw us right into it. We had started shoveling, shoveling shit, so to speak, horse shit, and we started helping cleaning the, the stalls and we got right into it. We did everything, we got to ride. It was a, a great experience, man. So thank you. I appreciate it. No problem, man. No problem. It's my pleasure. So to have you out so, there. Sorry, it took so yeah, long. man, it, it was good. Um, so to start the show off, usually I ask two questions. One is to kind of like, because most of the guests are people I know personally. Where did we meet? When, uh, how, how did we meet it, the, the first time, if you remember? Um, I'm going to have to say we met. It's going to have to be the DME meeting at Post 43, but it was for sure Post 43. So Hollywood right. American Legion Post 43 is where we first met each other, for sure. And so, you know, that was, uh, you're absolutely right. And I, I'm a son of the Legion there. You're a member of the Legion as a veteran. And so we met at a, a Post 43 American Legion in Hollywood, which is a great uh, facility. And that was the first time we came together. And then we, you know, we talked about your, your work and everything like that. So it was a, you know, we've stayed friends over, over the years because of that. Um, the other question I like to ask, and, you know, I think your life reflects this, Andre, is what does live courageously mean to you? Live courageously means live free, live hard, um, live to to fight for others other than yourself. You know, it take a bigger man to um, help fight for other people and not just themselves. So, or just a bigger human in general. So, it, it, it means just like being selfless. I think fight courageously. Well, I think that's a good uh, a good way of defining it, man. And um, you know, t so tell us, take us back on your journey. I mean, you started out as a, a as a young man back in Newark, New Jersey. And for those who may not know Newark, and I do, uh, you know, it's it's a tough environment. Um, it, it, you know, just similar to uh, where I grew up in the South Bronx, they're both pretty tough environments. And you know, you uh, went from that and into the military. So share a little bit of your your backstory. All right, so yeah, I was born and raised in Newark, New Jersey, 1983. I was aged myself, but uh, it was called the Brick City. Newark was, and um, like you were saying, it was rough as a young kid coming up. Uh, it was a prime time for like movies like New Jersey Drive, where everybody was stealing cars and ripping the streets and front wheel drive Hondas. So it was a pretty crazy experience. I'm gonna I'm say. It was it was gangs back then, obviously, but uh, definitely gangs today work different than they did back then. So being you know a black man from a black neighborhood, you know I wasn't I wasn't scared. You know what I mean? I was amongst my people. It was tough, but you learn to live with it, and it's unfortunate. But in our community, we just learn to live with organized chaos. So I really believe like that experience helped me kind of like navigate my way once I got into the military, but leaving New Jersey, I did high school in North Carolina. And that's kind of where, maybe where I got my, my Southern roots from a bit. Um, still didn't get my hands on horses in North Carolina. Uh, <laughs> and I just went with the high school though, you know? Um, I, I, and I graduated in 2001 from North Brunswick High School in Leland, North Carolina. And then I listened into the United States Navy from Raleigh. I think I graduated on Saturday. And then on that Sunday, I mean, I graduated on Saturday, and I think that Tuesday I was at boot camp already. So I really didn't have no summer. I was just like, let me just get the hell out of here. It's better to just get away and instead of sitting around and around, get myself in trouble. So I went on ahead into the service, man, and here we are today. 
Now, what you know, what what got you to decide to join the the service and join the Navy in particular? What was was anybody in your family, or was it just a a path out for you, a way to uh, start a different future? You know, what got you to do it? Um, uh, and and to be honest with you, let's say you had a thought back then. I had a little sister, so well, still have it. Um, and I, I just knew my dad couldn't have maybe afford to send us both to college, so I knew I was getting out a year before her. So I was like, well. I can go into the military when you help my sister, you know? And, you know, I was just, you know, thinking about the military at that point. And then two branches that caught my eyes was honestly the Air Force and the Navy. I had zero, much respect to everybody, you know, Army, Marines. <laughs> love you, boys. But I had no <laughs> inclination to the Army and Marines, okay? So it was either the Navy or the Air Force. And um, Air Force recruiter was doing real, real good by me, but the Navy recruiter just hit me with like, you can travel. And I really didn't believe him though, because they just said, don't believe your recruiters. Cause I already got screwed off my job. So that's a whole nother recruit story. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I uh, chose the Navy because I knew, just knew it was going to give me the ability to go around the world and it showed enough did it. And, and where did where did you get to travel with the Navy? What 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 countries did you get to go to, or how many um, as a Navy uh, military? Salem. Yeah. Um, technically, in two thousand one, my first ship was USS the Raven, which is MHC sixty one out of Manama, Bahrain. So my first my first deployment was forward deployed there. So I lived in Bahrain for two years. Um, mm. So. In the duration of my two years there in Bahrain, we got to see some travel. It wasn't much, but definitely seen some of the desert countries like Iraq, Kuwait, um, Qatar, Dubai, Saudi Arabia. Those are like some of our neighboring countries. So we got to touch down and um, my mind super got to touch down some of those small countries, Qatar, Dubai, Iraq, and Kuwait. So we did stop to those four. But in the mix of me, being forward deployed in Bahrain, coming home on leave, I had the ability to maybe like dip in to a couple other countries. So I think I clocked in like Azores and I clocked in like um, Amsterdam on that duration of my first two years in the military. But what really set me over the bar was my second ship. Um, after I got off um, USS the Raven, I did two years on the Raven. Uh, I, I got a new job in the supply department in, in, in Bahrain. So I was going to my next ship in the supply department. So I wasn't undesignated like I was in Bahrain. And boy, being undesignated seaman on a minesweep in Bahrain was a rough two years because it's hot as hell in Bahrain. I mean, it's hot. It's 100 degrees on Christmas night. Oh. So it's like, you know, imagine the summertime's there, you know? So it was insane. And doing a lot of work outside was treacherous, but it was a phenomenal experience. I would never take it back. But like I said, two years later, here I am getting on board the USS The Sullivans in the supply department. Um, it changed my life too. I met some phenomenal people on board The Sullivans. Um, and, and, and just having that ability to, to learn such a bigger platform, like my first ship was so much smaller than my second ship. Like my first ship had like 60 people on it, max. And that might even be too many. It might not, you know, might not be even that many people. But my second ship, had like 365 people. So going from just 60 to like 365, and it's just 60 people in one engine room division alone on a destroyer, you know? So having the ability to kind of meet all those new people and uh, getting ready for a six-month deployment, I never understood what a six-month deployment was because I just did two years. So looking at everybody cry because you got to go out to sea for six months, I was like, man, it's 25% of my last deployment. This is going to be cake. <laughs> so it was, you know, and we left port. Uh, I forgot what month of the year, but it wasn't too long after I transferred on the ship in like 2003 and um, 2004. And we just traveled the world, bro. I seen, um, I think total, we had 19 different ports on that. Wow. And I thought it was the best time of my life. So I heard stories like, oh, my God, if you was on a carrier, you could be out to sea for six to eight months and never see a port. So. I was scared of that, but I wasn't scared of that coming from Bahrain. And Bahrain kind of, once you leave like a, like a, I'm going to say a, a high tension duty station, they sometimes give you the ability 
to pick your next duty station. So it's kind of cool getting to choose Florida. But I was like, all right, I'm going to Florida. That's going to be cake. I'm not going to go on no deployments. And boy, maybe four months after I got to this next ship, they was like, yeah, you're going right back out to sea. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So it was fun. And traveling and, and on my second ship was phenomenal. My captain was like a, a dignitary somehow inside of our de uh, detachment. We was a sixth fleet, fifth fleet, something like that. So once you leave, your destroyer is part of a carrier battle group. So it's kind of a blessing to have my CO be so important and travel to so many different countries. And we had to just like, um, our ship was like always like a meal lock. So different dignitaries from other countries would come on board. We would got wine and dine them and send them home. Then for the next few days, the whole ship would just go rip through the, rip through the town, the city or wherever we pulled in. So having the ability to come kind of come across these people was a unique experience and just hit the, the longest I think we did out to sea was 19 days. And that 19 days was crossing the pond, the Atlantic, which is the longest stint. So it takes you like two weeks, like full sail from leaving Florida to make it to your first European country. It'd take you maybe like two weeks. And that was like Djibouti right up the, right up by Africa. It's like one of our first set of countries we hit. So we went through the Straits Harmoos for the rock of Gibraltar over there near Djibouti and Morocco. And then we went on up into, um, the Mediterranean. It was a phenomenal experience for me. And at some point, you know, when you finished your uh, term of service, you came out um, and you had to transition from that experience in the military, both the good and, you know, and, and the stress of it, the, you know, into civilian life. You know, it talked a little bit in your bio, but what was that transition like for you? Because, you know, a lot of times, and you know this better than I do, you know, the transition from being in the military and having that team and having that people, you know, serving a purpose and mission. And now you're you're, you're back out in the civilian world with, you know, you, it's all different now. And you got to kind of, you know, figure your way out again. What was that like for you personally, making that transition from military to civilian? And how hard was it? I'm going to be honest. It, it was like a shell shock. Most humans like, all right. We go through our four years in the military. We're so pent up with maybe anger or aggression towards our superiors. And then we just like, all right, screw it. We're all just going to get out. I'm not telling nobody not to get out or it's a bad thing to get out or retire or something like that. But sometimes it's not always good just to follow your first instinct and just walk away like that. Mm. I say that because got out. I mean, I'm like, mind you, my ship was stationed in Jacksonville, Florida. I just did four years in the Navy and I managed a supply department, helped manage my supply department once I got out, right? So supply and logistics is my background. But you would think that this would be a prime area to go get work in. Like I'm in Florida, I'm in the marina area. I could just get any job, you know, once I get out in, in a boating area in Florida. I'm going to be honest with you. I couldn't get a, a sweeping job at a dock in Florida let alone some sort of office job at some sort of marina docking in Florida. The biggest, I mean, banks, I try to get a job at a bank, a few different places. And the biggest excuse, I don't know if I want to call it an excuse or what, but hey, you can't say, well, you need experience to have the job. You don't give me the experience because I just got my military experience. But then on the same side, you could tell me I'm overqualified for a job. Because, you know, a lot of times in the service, we get certified on a lot of different things, right? So if you certified on forklift and all these different truck parts or whatever your job may be, you can be certified in a lot of different things in your field of work. So you get out. And my biggest excuse for Florida specifically was told to me, like, you just overqualify. And if we hire you, you work hard, we may have to let go of our manager because you might know more than him. Well, I was like, well, wouldn't that be good to have somebody like this in your <laughs> ranks? And it just couldn't get a, couldn't get a yes, man. So I had to wow. learn, like, and, and what, what, what really got me into production was was the nose. And then I had a cousin in Florida gave me a production opportunity. And I've just been an entertainment assistant. And when you say a production opportunity, what, what did that cousin uh, offer you? What did you do the first uh, production? And, you know, you're talking about, obviously, in the film industry or entertainment industry. What was that opportunity that uh, your cousin gave you? Uh, for sure. Um, my first entertainment job was... I, don't, I mean, just with my military resume, I was able to get a 
coordinator job, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. So I was like assistant manager, production coordinator job for this producer of events. And he did multiple events throughout the year. And he also did one big event at the end of the year. So his, his, his main event was something called Zoe Summer Groove in Miami, Florida. This is like pretty much right when Alonzo Mourning was still, I mean, he probably still big in Miami, but Alonzo Mourning was like retired from the Miami Heat. And um, my, my cousin used to work for his production company and he actually, you know, did some events with Donald Trump. So it was kind of fun. I got out in 2005, moved to, moved to Fort Lauderdale, started doing that. And then, and then once he got me the job, I just kind of stayed focused on production. And, and yeah, that's where it was at. So I met my wife down there in 2005 as well. So she's from Miami. So it was a pretty phenomenal opportunity, you know, starting there in South Florida. So I learned a lot those three years. So I'm going to say every summer, my biggest thing was this three-day event that we put on in front of the Miami Heat Arena. And it, I'm not a lot of fun. Me, 23 years old, 24, fresh out of the military, having this opportunity with, like, all these celebs, you know, all these big different brands and stuff like that. It was a very unique experience. But mind you, I'm still a – even if Miami is a big market, once you get a job like that, you can be, like, a big fish in a little pond, Right. So yeah, yeah, I was in my, I was in South Florida. Like I'm doing it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in production. I work all these big brands. I did a one three day event twice a year. You know, it's time for California. You know what I mean? So I thought that that was a transition to get out here. And it was like, what a, what a rain of your parade. Let all the air out your balloon, and you are now <laughs> a itty bitty fish in a in a massive sea of people. You know what I mean? So. Coming from Florida to California was definitely a, a a different shell shock of experience in the production world alone. And, and that was something new for me, too, in the transition of production, going from stage production, stage coordinating um, to it, those type of celebrities to, like, coming out here. It's not that many stage production companies hiring you because they work with Live Nation or, you know, major production houses as I'm putting these things off for 20 years. So it's like, get in line, buddy. And go join somebody else's train that's already doing it. And that's the name of the game out here. So it's either you creating or you working for somebody. Only two options you got. Well, you know, obviously we, when we met at the Legion and you were doing uh, different aspects of film production and you were working at the time. As a matter of fact, I'm going to just throw up some qu- quick pictures. We've just ran into each other just recently um, at a, uh, a festival at the Post 43, a film festival. And this is there. There's you. Uh, you know, with the clapper and everything on a short film that you did as part of the entry. And here's another picture with you in um, in motion uh, once again while you're doing it. And so that film was a film that you guys entered in. And that's the second year annual um, short film festival at the uh, Post 43 in Hollywood. So you were involved in that as well. Um, so tell us a little bit about that and then a little bit about the types of things you did in L.A. And like you said, a small fish in a big pond. But, you know, you, you, you know, you scrambled, you did a lot of things uh, working in, in film. So tell us about this little film that was at the festival. And then um, tell us about some of the stuff you do and have done in, in the film world. So, so I'm going to start with the film. So it's on top. Um, it's called Mr. Rated Bar. Um, it was a short film competition that was created for military veterans to shoot their short film inside of the American Legion Post 43, which is a very historic building. So technically, it was an opportunity for us as creators to utilize this 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 historic place that's going to be timeless, and let's show our creativity within this historic place that's going to be timeless. So that was an opportunity. It was super fun. We only had one day to shoot. So I was able to book a lot of my friends. And quality, the great thing is that um, the, our main actress won Best Actress for her. For her work in the in the production, so it was super good. Now there's some other quality productions out there too, so I could definitely see why we didn't win Best Picture. But I was I was blessed as a producer in a project to have our actress win Best Actress. So um, that was a phenomenal opportunity. How I got started in production um, was in 2010. Found LA Film School, 
LA Film School is easy to get into. Got in LA Film School. I met I met our brother Ohan in LA Film School. Ohan, um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a phenomenal opportunity, and I just learned a lot. Quentin Tarantino always said, "You never have to go to film school to really do this and really make it big." Because he didn't go to film school, but at the same time, I do understand as a service member going to get re-skilled because that's key. You know, having these skill sets or having these um trade backgrounds, whether it be electrician or carpenter, something like that. If you had construction work in military as a CV, you could go do art department. You know what I mean? So some of these things kind of translate. You could do tech systems. If you work in communications in the military, you could do that tech stuff on the back end of post-production. So there's there's a lot of cor correlate things. So 2010 with LA Film School. Um I went to LA Film School because of Avatar. Avatar was like one of the first billion dollar movies that came out after going with the win. And they did it with zero advertisement, just a man with a blue face. Damn to no commercials. And they crushed it. So I was like, well, let me figure out this type of production and, and film was it. So I studied film, worked on a lot of projects while I was in film, produced a lot of projects while I was in film school. I graduated film school and I watched Iron Man. So Avatar did it in 17 weeks, paid a billion bucks. Iron Man. Because Iron Man 2, I believe, when I got out, Iron Man 2 did it in 10 days. So I was like, man, well, what was the difference between these movies? It was visual effects. So I was like, man, let me go get that skill set too. So I used my GI Bill, like a school for animation. So I learned how to do animation, rigging, Maya, Cinema 4D, 3D Studio Max, Photoshop, all that stuff. So that was a phenomenal skill set to have too. So it helped me out. Graduated film school. LA Film School got me a job working for the guy who created Hulu. I was his like junior producer, editor. He was starting a new YouTube channel. So jumping in in, in the in the media space immediately right out of high right out of high school, military, military, production, production. I heard out of production, got a job. So I was like, nah, stop. So at the same time, though, maybe I should have took a break just to figure some stuff out. But I didn't get an opportunity to just jump right on it. So working for the guy who created Hulu, learned learned the Hulu. Learned the YouTube space. I learned the digital media space at that point. So I knew a lot was coming. The digital media world was transitioning everything around back then before it really hit, you know? So um, I worked for him. And then after that job, I had uh, LA Film School, got me another job. I'm working with um, my mentor right now. His name is Aaron Perry. He is the CEO of Deluxe um, and CEO of uh, Stereo D, Stereoscopic. 3D, which I learned how to do 3D. So I learned from him. I was a visual effects production coordinator, Stereo D when I graduated. Uh, well, not when I graduated, but after I worked for the, the, the job, the Hulu job right out of uh, LA Film School. And I worked on big projects like Godzilla and Ninja Turtles. So that was a blessing. So I got screen credit forever on the first visual effects Godzilla. So I'm always really proud of that. I got screen credit for this new Ninja Turtles that just came out. So I'm proud of that. But, you know, like the industry is saying, the only big is your latest project. So that's like me being a producer on a movie that came out in 2000. And that's 2023. You ain't still getting the same type of looks as you got in 2000 like you get in 2023 if you ain't got a 2022 project in the can. You know what I'm saying? So I hear you. If, if I'm understanding, if that's understanding how in the world, I feel like that's where it is right now. So I, I worked at Stereo D for a couple of years. Then I realized... I really wanted to do more independent work. So then I started my own production company and started working myself. And then, of course, in the middle of all this, the other things that you did, obviously, you at one point became a member of uh, the American Legion in Hollywood and then uh, post-43. And then you also transitioned into uh, uh, Pacific Palisades uh, post, uh, what's, what's the number? Um, what's the number over there? 23. 283, right. So here's, I'm going to talk yeah. some quick pictures of uh, this is, uh, you know, with some folks uh, in, you know, uh, your um, That's Michael Cassell. He is, the, he is the state American Legion writers, director, and the, the guy next to him is, is Mickey. they both super cool. I'm not going to lie. They both were really cool to me and been welcome to me in, in the motorcycle ride community. And, and I just, it, this, this world helped me break down some barriers because as a brother, you know, ride with Harley Davidson riders, 
it would feel uncomfortable, but it was a really comfortable situation. And American Legion has been a blessing to get this, this family. It was able to allow me to 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 to, to formulate. Um, and then you also do, you also do this with the Legion. Uh, you all sponsor this, which I have not had a chance yet, but I hope to do in the future with you. And this is uh, you, you know you taking the <laughs> the Legion to the the firing yeah, range. Yeah, yeah. And wow. Thanks. That's that's another Thanks activity that you do, right? And, and that we're still we're still about to you know we're like inching close to what I really want you to talk about. But uh, you know this is just some of the stuff that you've done. You know. So um, go ahead, talk I, about I that. Yeah, so I found the American Legion through some people at LA Film School. It was Kyle Huntsman Stokes and uh, Mike Dowling. And they had just got that started maybe like 10 years now or something like that. But it was called VFT, Veterans of Film and Television. And they right. had got started in uh, they had got started in uh, in the basement of Hollywood Post 43. So that's how I found American Legion. Through VFT on the very first meeting I was there. So I was like, all right, this, this new thing, LA Film School told me to go to it. Veterans started meeting areas. First of its kind. You know, all of veterans in Hollywood getting together in one building. Like, that's something. You know what I mean? So found the Legion through VFT. And then the Legion changed my life too. Because when I got in this big historic building, it was just so much rich history. Now I'm a history buff. I like history. I was in the military. So I just felt connected to the building. All of the old veterans there. I met so many World War II veterans that became friends that I got photos with. That's going to change my life forever. And it's just like I can really say that I met some of these people before they left planet Earth, you know? Because right now it's like three or four of them that I got photos with that aren't here no more. So it, 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 it changed my life, the, the Legion and its camaraderie with this side of, it, of, its, of its walls. And yes, that range day that you've seen with those guns was big on Second Amendment. I love guns, I love cars, horses you know, exciting stuff. And so I knew the Legion used to get us together if we did cool things together. So y'all want to go watch hockey? All right, let's get a group of veterans to go watch hockey. Basketball, football, baseball. You want to go listen to music, concerts, whatever. Post 43 was doing it when he first got started. Um, so that, the, the American Legion just really gave me a taste of some, some, some sense of like what we had in the military. I guess I would say that, that camaraderie, that together. So I wanted to dedicate my lifetime to the Legion too. So um, then I just thought about maybe some political aspirations in the, in the American Legion. But again, I was doing the programs first before I even thought about politics in the Legion, you know? So I did that range day. That was one of the most successful programs we had. We made national with that program. You know what I mean? Politics slowed me down, but I'm not done though. But we're going to bring <laughs> it back though. Sure. Well, you know, it, we got range days back for sure. Uh, for me, you know, as a civilian joining the American Legion, as a son of the Legion, my dad was in the Army. You know, once again, I had come out from doing uh, some um, videos for the U.S. Marine Corps and meeting some great uh, people. And then I said, well, let me let me make a contribution to veterans in, in Hollywood. And that's kind of what led me to, like, speak at the L.A. Film School, meet George Ohan, you know, led me to uh, joining the American Legion Post 43. You know, and I got a chance to... Um, be part of, like you said, a great environment, a great facility, great people, you know, just kind of uh, doing good programs together, supporting people. And so it was a great opportunity for me as a civilian to say, hey, I can do a little bit with my skills as a film producer to help. But at the same time, I get to hang with some great people who are doing some great things as well. So it was kind of totally uh, all around win win. That's how I met you and some amazing other people. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of lucky and blessed that I had that opportunity and that you know, that I'm part of that world. So, you know, it's a great, it's a great thing, man. Thanks, bro. Um, so that now we're going to pivot because uh, this is kind of the, the the latest thing. I mean, if you weren't busy enough with doing the Legion and doing that and doing the film stuff, you know, you got this idea to create uh, this program to provide uh, equine therapy for uh, veterans and first responders. And I'm going to throw up the picture for Warriors Road and that's you on a horse. And it, 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 it's familiar because I think I was behind, not in this picture, but I was behind you last week as you were uh, riding. So I got to see you in action. Uh, you were riding a little bit faster than I wanted to go, just saying, because I wasn't as good a rider as you are. But you created this program, Warriors Road. And why did you do that, Andre? What, you know, what made you come up with this? And, you know, you told me a little bit about when you got your first horse, when you started to ride. Share that with the audience. Tell, take us through that little journey on your part. Um, 
I'm gonna have to say the idea started just like any other idea that I had within the Legion walls. So I just wanted to do something cool that I enjoyed with a bunch of other veterans who like to do it too. There wasn't this type of program in LA. It didn't exist. I couldn't go anywhere where I could hang out with a, other veteran friends on horseback ride. So I was like, well, you know, the Legion, let's stop the Legion creeping. And I thought the Legion, well, an American Legion did help me out. You know, in, in my transition from 43 to 123 to get recruited to come to post 283 in Pacific Palisades, that was a whole transition alone in the military. So when I got to Pacific Palisades, he asked for more cool creative projects. And this post did support me on the program. Now, mind you, the Legion didn't want to have it be a Legion program because they wouldn't be liable, which I understand. So they was like, well, instead of it being ours, won't you just make it into a nonprofit? And here's some help to turn it into a nonprofit. And my post has been a blessing since then. So if it wasn't American Legion Post 23, Warriors Road would not exist. For sure. Because as, as it was supposed to be a program there, and it was like, we'll make it a nonprofit. I had, to, I had to figure it all out. This this wasn't like no business plan I had pre-rolled out or some big plan that I had. Like, I'm going to go execute this big old ranch plan and be a farmer. Like, no. I was just trying to do something cool with just other vets, but then I was kind of thrusted into it. So I was like, well, how do I develop this one? Veterans get to come up for, for free, like we was doing with the Legion stuff. So I cold called this one ranch um, one day, and I just asked this guy, I was like, hey, man, I'm trying to get the opportunity to have veterans come out and ride horses, and be around horses, can I come volunteer at your ranch? He said, yeah. I started volunteering at his ranch. And then once I, for a few days, started cleaning up really good, see what I could do. Just threw me some saddles. I was like, this here's how you ride. Go stop left to right, stay on the horse. I was like, okay. And at that point, I just started riding all those horses. Slow horses, fast horses, easy horses, hard horses. I was just riding, I was learning. You know, got bucked a few times and got up and got back on. And at that point, I started studying other cowboys, like real cowboys. Some of these dudes got YouTube channels and, and channels online that really show you how to ride and, and be a better rider, be a better instructor. But the goal was just to be a better rider first. And then I was like, well, I want to develop this, become a better rider. But I want my other veterans to come share this with me. So he let me start to bring second and third veterans there to help me clean up. And then after we all cleaned up, we would take a stroll. And not going to lie, he had maybe like 20 horses. So I was bringing groups of veterans out. We was just growing. And then at that point, man was like, it's time for you to get out on your own, son. And I was like, all right. He said, he told me I got to start getting some of my own horses. Makes sense. So I want to burn up all his horses. So 2019, I somehow found Nancy. I picked her up first, and she changed my life. So once I got Nancy, we just started growing. Yeah. At one point, we had nine horses. I had nine horses with me on the trail, or me plus eight. So it was a very unique experience. Some horse got a little crazy, so I get rid of them. You know, God say, we grab another one. So it was okay. But did we learn? Now we got five solid, and this is what we're doing now. So we five strong. And like I say, up to date, we probably helped maybe like 500 plus veterans and first responders. Well, I know you know my you let my daughter ride uh, Nancy last weekend, uh, so obviously that was special for her that to ride your horse. Um, and and you, you told her how special the horse was to you, so that was very that was very cool, man. Um, but you know, just being out there with you, you know, I, I the whole experience, you know, just realizing. You know, because you you put in the work, you clean up, you you know, you do you do it all. You saddle the horse, you clean the horse, you know, you go through the whole thing before you ride. And and I think it's just such a great experience just because you realize what it takes. You know, it's not just come on out and have fun riding. It's come out and, and participate in the whole experience. And, and it connects you more to the horse and it connects you more to the people because all of you are doing the same thing together as a group. Right. So, you know, I mean, yeah, that's we- the the environment that you created. And it was cool. Cause I, I went out there, I had no idea what you, you know, and the first thing you were like, yeah, let's start cleaning up the sh- the stables. I was like, yeah, let's go. But it, you know, you realize that that's all part of what that experience is and taking people through it is such a cool thing. And a real horseman, if you was to leave California and once you leave California, you got real cowboys. These dudes wake up to crack of dawn, 
go to sleep when the sun go down. You know, these dudes is working all day. They, if you work working like a real meat factory, these dudes are moving thousands of cattle daily on horseback. You know what I mean? Putting hundreds of miles in. So I have to tell people like, yo, you ain't cleaning cow shit, poop, cow poop, I'm sorry. And and you're not really moving cattle all day. So if you if you want to come garner this free experience, come get the full experience. You know what exactly. I mean? Like this is what these dudes really be out here working. Just come smell a little bit of poop for maybe an hour, you know, knock it out. Maybe we got the rest of the time that you have here to get some good horsemanship experience. And at that point in time, you know, I like this peer to peer to peer, peer cowboy type of environment that we trying to build here because we want to be like an open door for the cowboys to become that. Come in, know how to tack up. I trust them in tacking up. They do the work at the ranch. Now they want to go for a stroll. This is what they know how to do. And this is what we want to build. These peer-to-peer cowboys, these real L.A. cowboys, urban cowboys, call them. you know what I mean? Come in here, gain some of this sweat equity, some of that elbow grease, and then enjoy the fruits of your labor afterwards. Groom them, brush them, wash them, hug them, kiss them, feed them carrots, all the pretty shit you see on, on TV. And then I, I bless you with the opportunity to go and put a saddle on. Put a saddle on. If you, got the, if you have the ability, you can ride. No problem at all. So no matter your skill level, I'm going to make sure you get a good ride. Well, I tell you, you know, my skill level was minimal, uh, to put it mildly. You know, after 15 years getting back on a horse and, you know, you took us through a nice range of experiences, man, through streams, uh, up hills, down hills, past coyotes, uh, you name it. it. You know, it was uh, it was definitely a learning experience. And I felt it in muscles I didn't know I had for two days after that. But um, it, it was a great time, man. So I recommend it to everyone. I'm going to throw up some quick pictures of you because, well, here's the, here's the picture of Welcome to Warriors Road. That's the website. You can go on, obviously, to connect with it. And we'll talk about that at the end. I'm just going to throw up some quick pictures of you. Here's you. Uh, I, I don't know where this is, but it's in L.A. somewhere. Um, That's um, that is down in Santa Monica with the MVP walk last year. I took a horse. And we, walked, we walked down uh, Wilshire Boulevard with a big group for MVP. And then this is like, uh, you know, some of the, the the terrain that we kind of similar terrain that we went through, through the water. So yeah. a bunch more pictures of you on the horse, um, you know, you doing the work of uh, getting it together. So and then here's a group of uh, people getting ready to ride with you. MVP. What's that? The mountaintop with MVP. We went to uh-huh. the mountaintop with MVP as a group. So MVP yeah. is a uh, um, military veteran. What, what's the name of the, the actual Merge name of that? Right. Merging players and players. Yeah. So that's another group <laughs> out there. That's this group once again that's walking down uh somewhere. That's in front of LA Film School right there. In front of where? LA Film School and Sunset Boulevard. Okay. Oh yeah, wow. Um yeah. so you know this once more Omega, then, Omega, that's Melrose Boulevard. So you yeah. know, so going from and, and you this came, you know, coming out of Silmar. So obviously, you know, it, it was a nice ride down and back, right? Um, wherever you took it to. We get a water break. Yeah, sure, sure. So I'm gonna put up that you know, the next uh, thing is tell us a little bit about how people um get involved. To, you all right, brother? Somewhere down the wrong throat, wrong pipe. I was doing good this whole interview. Sorry. <laughs> no worries, man. Hey, so tell, so tell people what you're looking, how they can support you. I'm going to throw up this thing. This is Volunteers Needed. Um, I'm going to just leave it up yep. there for a minute. Uh, you know, okay. Volunteers Needed. So what, how okay. can people do two things? How can people get involved and have the experience with you? Veterans, first responders, uh, different people. How do they come out there? How do they connect? What is the experience for them? And then the other piece is how can people volunteer, support you, um, donate, uh, you know, come out there and do the work for you. With you. Um, uh, how, do, how do we get them, you know, to, to kind of grow this and give you the support? Because, you know, I, I realized when I was out there, you know, you're a one man uh, army, man. You know, you're, you're out there from, you know, morning to night doing all the work and then you got a, a job as well. So it's not like your only thing that you do. So you're kind of juggling and yet you do all of it. So, you know, I had to squeeze in time to get you this morning to do this. So, you know, you got you got a uh, a full plate, man. So people need to help you and step up and, and uh, take this program and uh, support you whatever way you can. So talk about that. Hey, I just left the ranch, fed the horses, and then came over here for this interview. And I'm going back to the ranch. 
be, we would love all the volunteers we can get. Anybody has the time and ability and want to come out, hang out with the horses, gain a lot of horsemanship experience, not expecting a ride, just want to come be on our horses on a daily basis freely, come volunteer with us. Come do that as well. Everybody who wants to be a part of our experience can check us out at warriorsroad.org. It's our, it's, our, it's, our, it's our website. You can check out all our information, a lot of ways to book us and things like that. But it's really for veterans and first responders. We want you to come out. We want you to come gain this, this phenomenal experience, this once-in-a-lifetime experience that with these centennial beings that you might not garner anyplace else. And the key to us, because we're all here in Hollywood, I'm 20 minutes from LAX, 20 minutes from Hollywood, 15 minutes from anybody in the Valley. We would love for you all just to come out. So veterans and first responders, come out and check out Warriors Road. We would love to have you out to the ranch. And any other civilian that want to help us out, please come back and volunteer. Thank you. All right. And that, and that, once again, is a volunteer intake form. You'll see all that if you go on uh, warriorsroad.org. Is that correct? So that, yep. that's the place. Yes, sir. Warriors you can find us on Facebook. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, all of the regular style social media. But to get in contact with us, warriorsroad.org. Yes, sir. And, and and people can help in whatever way. So obviously, you know, you can come out and help at the farm. You can help with social social media. You can help with promoting warriorsroad.org so that, you know, uh, it can expand. Just, well, what's that? Please donate. I said if they donate. would like to donate as well, please uh -huh. donate. You know, we're looking for sponsors that can help us with medical bills, shoes, grains, a lot of extra stuff that we need to run a ranch. We can still use some sponsors for that. There's some donors for that, yes, sir. Absolutely. And if you can help get sponsors, you know, who are in the equestrian world to be able to sponsor and be able to sponsor products or, or whatever way that's going to help uh, uh, Andre take care of the cost of making this program continue and to help it grow, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, you know, and, and definitely if you have a chance to connect and go out there and see it with your own eyes, you're going to have a great experience. It's going to, you know, uh, you, you're definitely going to want to help out. So I, I, I can't encourage it enough. Um, what else is on the on the um, future for you, uh, Andre? Obviously, you want to grow this program. You want to continue to do it. And then you got other things that you're doing. You're still doing stuff with film, whatever little time you got. So, you know, what what else what else do you see down the road for yourself? All right. So. I pause because if you're going to edit, I hope you can edit this out. I'm, call I'm not going to, I'm not, can't edit it. So, um, I, I so don't <laughs> either don't say it or. <laughs> okay. So, I was, trying to get, get a, I was trying to get a break the cough, y'all. I'm so sorry. I don't worry, man. Uh, don't worry. Uh, all right. So, yeah. Um, I work right now, I work for Community Veteran Justice Project, CBJP. Right now, what we do is we can help veterans with legal services if they have them. If you got felony, you got a misdemeanor, we can help you get them sponged. If you got DUI, we can work on expungement or deferment, um, child support, uh, divorce attorneys. We can help you with a little bit of everything. And if you need a discharge upgrade, we can help you with that as well. So if you need any legal advice on legal services, please see me at cbjp.org. But you can email me at andre.andrews at cbjp.org for sure. That's the regular job. After I feed the horses in the morning and in between the day, I'm with my office and then I go back to the ranch at night. Um, and also, um, yeah, pretty much CBJP is about it. CBJP and Warriors Road is probably pretty much an American Legion. If you are post 283 member, we have an election coming up in two weeks. So if you're watching this before the election, I would love to have your vote. I would love to when earn is, your when support. Is the when is the election? What date? May 17th, 2023. I'm going for second okay, so vice. So this will air uh, May 14th on Sunday. So, okay. uh, you know, if you're part of the uh, Legion over there, post 283, definitely uh, uh, Andre's uh, running for office. And what, what position again are you running, Andre? Second vice commander. The second vice second commander. Second vice commander of the post. Help the post with events. I'm out in the community. I work with a lot of veterans right now. Bring a lot of veterans to the table. We focus on events next year. Even if our posts work with the event coordinator, Andre can still help the event coordinator system and bring the veterans in to her events, his or her events. So I would like to run 
and garner y'all vote for second vice winner american is post 23 and okay so th th you know that's uh, another thing that people can um pay attention to what you're doing andre and then once again finally so there's there's ways that you can connect um you know back to uh volunteering with um warriors road going on warriorsroad.org that's you know one definitely uh, a thing the second thing like you said is the the legal program give that uh, uh page again how do they contact you there you can contact me at andre.andrews at cvjp.org if you need any legal services i'll help you out sounds good and then obviously uh if you're a veteran and you're looking for a post to join and you're in the Pacific Palisades area, you can go over to a post 283 in Pacific Palisades and join uh, American Legion over there. Um, and then you know, one last thing. Yes, ma'am. All right. Go ahead. For the first time in a long time, post 283 has a resolution that made it to the state's desk. That's signed by the state commander and we're working on taking it to national. We've created a video game committee so we can focus on studies of the video games connection to the American Legion so we can work on membership, camaraderie, and use the video games to generate a new aspect of Legionnaires coming in with inside of this organization. So we would just love your support for our video game committee resolution that we're sending up the food chain to national this year. Excellent. And, um, you know, you've kind of gone through a, a, a long journey from uh... – from Newark, New Jersey, to uh, what you're doing today between the military, the American Legion, cowboy, being an urban cowboy, man. And um, it's been a great, and it's great to know you, brother. So thank you for coming on the show. But as we wrap up, what, what kind of message would you like to leave people with, um, you know, if, any final thoughts, any final words for people who are watching the show? Stay active. Stay hungry. Never give up. It's not going to be handed to you. But I have to go get it. Sometimes take it, but go get it. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. Uh, I appreciate you, man. I, I know you got to get back to work again at the horses, man. Thank you for sharing this with you, and I look to see you. Uh, see you soon. Take care, man. Thank you. Be good. All right. Well, that was a uh, a, a great show. Um, a lot of stuff there with uh, Andre Andrews Jr. And it, like I said, you can. Uh, Follow warriorsroad.org um, and, and find a way to volunteer and support the efforts that Warriors Road is doing. That would be a, a great thing if you have a chance to do that. And then uh, once again, uh, join me uh, every Sunday at 2 p.m. as I do uh, Live Courageously. And this was a, a great thing. And please, if you get a chance, uh, uh, subscribe to Live Courageously at my YouTube channel at Duff's where SQ, D U F F S Q film um, on YouTube. And I will see you uh, on Sunday, every Sunday, 2 p.m. Have a great one. Thank you.